You know when you're at school, you need to read kind of a series of books, like when you're going through the different grades, they have different books everybody has to read. You've got to write a bit of a book project on them. So one of the books that I remember reading clearly when I was at school was Lord of the Flies. So I don't know if any of you had to read that, but definitely those growing up at my time had to read it. Uh, and it's written by William Golding. And it's kind of like a, kind of a depressing story, to be honest with you. Uh, it's about these children who get shipwrecked at this deserted island, and they have to try to organize themselves, like create their own society. And things start going well at first, but soon things descend into chaos. There's all these power structures that develop, and the children who kind of take over use their authority to oppress and hurt others. Now, I was reading recently that the author wrote this book in response to another book he had written, so not another book he had read, rather. So the author had read a similar book about children who were deserted on some island. And in this particular book, they created some sort of paradise, some sort of harmony. And when Golding read this book, he said, uh, 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 this is not how things would go down. And so really, Lord of the Flies, for him anyway, and perhaps he's overly pessimistic, but for him, it's a study of human nature that all of us, even small children, it seems, are broken, we have our difficulties, our struggles, and when people get authority, when they get power, unfortunately, more often than not, they use this authority to oppress others and to put themselves up. This really, this theme of authority, we find in the gospel very strongly. All of us, regardless of time or place, find ourselves under some human authority, and oftentimes this human authority is not so life-giving. When we look at the time of Jesus, this was certainly the case. So, of course, when Jesus was alive, he and his fellow Israelites were under Roman authority, Roman occupation. There were many people at this time in the Roman Empire that were enslaved, and this is very important when we read Paul's letters. So people were under authority, under oppression. These rulers used their power to kind of enrich themselves keep themselves in power, and did not use it to serve or to benefit other people. Thankfully, of course, we live in a different society, a different political structure today. But at the same time, in various ways, we too find ourselves under some authority, under some powers that are not so life-giving as well. Of course, there are wonderful politicians, but as well, as we know often, there are some who use their positions to enrich themselves. We can look around and we can see various kinds of economic oppression as well. Throughout the world, tragically, even locally, there are modern forms of enslavement uh, happening uh, nowadays also. Media, especially social media, can exercise a great power over us, the way we think, the way we view the world. Therefore, all of us as human beings experience the authority of other people, and tragically, at times, that the authority is not always so life-giving. This, then, is where the gospel becomes so powerful, so liberating. Jesus, we see in the gospel, is one who has ultimate authority, but as not a fallen person. He's able to use his authority at the service of other people. Jesus, in the gospel today, we find, has this incredible power over demons. And, of course, this can seem a bit strange to us nowadays, all these demons on display when Jesus is working his ministry, but it's meant to show us that a new authority, a new power has come. 
So Mark's gospel is just presupposing that the world is under the authority of evil forces. They could be human forces, but also spiritual forces. And now Jesus Christ is entering the world as a new king. And because of this, those who held power before are becoming agitated. And Jesus, in the end, overwhelms all these powers, all these authorities. But Christ, as I mentioned, is not a fallen person. He has no jealousy, no greed in his heart. For this reason, when Jesus exercises authority, it's for the good of other people. So we see in the gospel that Jesus uses his power to heal, to liberate. And we see this throughout his ministry. Jesus came to to heal, to free. In the end, Jesus gives us eternal life. Jesus uses his power and authority for good. We see this sometimes, the authority of Jesus, expressed in different paintings. So each painting or work of art tries to portray a different aspect of Jesus. And we can compare sometimes certain works of art that emphasize the authority of Jesus. So maybe you've seen before, there's a famous uh, mosaic in Hagia Sophia in Istanbul today, a very ancient mosaic. And it depicts Jesus as a kind of Byzantine king, very regal, very authoritative, looking very rich, kind of displaying all his power. And this is one way people like to depict Jesus. It's a depiction called the Pantocrator, meaning the all-powerful one. There's other, however, different depictions of Jesus that emphasize really his service. So recently I saw an image from Giotto, who is kind of just before the Renaissance artist, and it depicts Jesus washing the feet of his followers at the Last Supper. And Jesus in Giotto's image as well is dressed up to look kind of very royal, very regal. But in this image we see that Jesus, this kingly figure, is on his knees in service, washing the feet of his disciples. Jesus Christ then has this true power, this true authority, but he uses it for our good. He uses it not to benefit himself, but to serve us and to bring us life. For this reason, St. Paul in the second reading wants to ensure that we always put ourselves under this authority of Jesus and not under human authority that can sometimes oppress us. So Paul in the second letter today is writing to the Corinthian community. And the Corinthian community was a very diverse community, people from all kinds of different backgrounds. You had some rich people there, but also a lot of poor people. You had some unenslaved people, but also a lot of enslaved people. You had male, you had female, married people, unmarried people, Jews, Gentiles, a very diverse community. And in this community, there was so much structure people on the top and people on the bottom. Social distinctions were very clear. But Paul proclaimed to this community a very radical message. He said that because of Christ, we are all equal. And Paul, in the seventh chapter, which we read today, tells people that they have been bought for a price. In other words, because of Jesus, he's liberated us from all this human slavery, and we are called then to serve Jesus And Paul goes on to say, because we've been bought for a price by Christ, do not make yourselves slaves of human masters. And throughout this letter, Paul describes, we should always focus on Jesus. We serve him alone. There's so many good things in this world, work, school. Paul even describes marriage, something very good. But in all these various ways of life, we're to focus on Christ and serving him. 
He's the one who gives all these other things meaning. And Paul even writes to people who are slaves that this should not worry them overly because in Christ they are all free. And in the end, they too will be free. So Paul reminds us we are to focus on Jesus who is our ultimate master. And when we're under his authority, we become truly free. One way we can kind of remind ourselves of this is oftentimes we have the custom when we enter the church and enter our pews, we genuflect, we kind of get on one knee. And today that can seem like maybe a strange uh, tradition or custom, but it comes, of course, from the, med- um, the Middle Ages when someone would genuflect in the presence of a king. And of course, when we genuflect, we genuflect to the cross or to the tabernacle, which we believe Jesus is there. So when we genuflect, it's a very important or even kind of powerful symbol to remind ourselves who is our true person and authority over us, to remind ourselves Christ is our true master, we could say, but not a master who uses his authority to oppress us, but rather a master who serves us and brings us true life.